All woo right, woo. and can my co-host give me a woo woo? Oh, woo woo! I mean, you already gave me a woo woo. It was a preemptive. We're not interviewing you today, Roz. Um, I... That is like our joke about like the backup episode. If ever, like we're about to interview somebody and they get uh, like I was joking about before we aired, uh, got hit by a bus. Um, I would just be like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna interview you then, Roz. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm just going to spotlight myself real quick and do our little intro for the episode. Make sure that I'm not muted. It looks like we are good to go. Um, But hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Laughing Into the Void, episode 22. Wow, we're old. If episodes were years, we could drink. Um, But I'm your host, Tom. Co-hosting with me tonight, as always, is the lovely Rosalind Paris. Hi. Thank you. Um, you can watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on most podcast platforms, now including Pandora. Ooh, I feel so special. They uh, accepted us. Um, but if you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size or uh, following us on social media using the links in the description. Special bonus plug for our first ever District Comedy Showcase Fancy Mike. Tickets are $10, but only $5 for the first 15 tickets. Uh, so I'm telling you so that you can prepare and get that <laughs> special discount. Um, please, everything's fine. I'm fine. Just please buy a ticket. Again, that's April 16th, this Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And the tickets uh, link can also be found in the description. Here with us today, uh, we have uh, the hilarious Emily Page. Emily Page is a Jersey-based comedian who has studied with the American Comedy Institute based out of New York City. Emily's relatable content focuses on navigating the world as a single mom and all the insanity that comes with that. Um, She has studied sketch writing with UCB, which I'm really excited to talk about, and uh, performs on a virtual improv-based show called Wingin' It. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to unspotlight myself and get everything looking normal again. And we're just going to jump right into it. Um, Awesome. Yay! Everybody's (laughs) here. Everybody's alive, including me. Um, For now. For now. Uh, No, as we were just talking about before we got the stream shotted, if I seem a little out of it, it is because I am feeling the effects of the second shot of the vaccine. Woo! Great problem to have. Um, But... So the first question that we ask, and the last question that we ask, but we're not there yet. Um, the first question that we ask, we ask every comedian. It kind of helps us uh, kind of boil you down into a nutshell. But how would you describe uh, your sense of humor to someone who has never seen you perform? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say it's like sassy, snarky, sarcastic. <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah, it's like playful. Um, you know, I do a lot of stuff that's reality based. Actually, most of it's just based on my life. Um, and obviously you have to give a comedic spin to it, you know? Um, but yeah, just like fun. Nothing. I don't know. Yeah. Nothing nothing sassy. I don't know. No, that's totally fine. I find that (laughs) that a lot of, uh, comedians do sometimes feel like a little self-conscious trying to like describe themselves i have also found um and if you want to clarify whether or not this is the case for you i find um that especially for me personally that like 
the type of comedy that I do is not necessarily the type of comedy that I like. Yes. Uh, but I have yes. found that like it is my niche. Do you find that that's the case for you? Yeah, because it's funny when you first asked me that question, I was like, "Oh, is he gonna ask me what kind of comedy like I like?" And I was gonna be like witty dry dark like, <laughs> I was like i'm not very dark i like you know but um yeah i find the same thing it's i feel like i enjoy all different types of comedy mm -hmm. but i would feel like if i was trying to go out and do a specific type of comedy that didn't come natural to me it just wouldn't be funny you know like mm -hmm. i could appreciate it without it being my style yeah yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I, um, and obviously because I heard about your UCB background, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but me and Roz have a little bit of an improv background ourselves, and I find, especially, uh, like, uh, for me, I appreciate and I actually, like, value, like, really absurdist humor, uh, a lot, and also Roz's cat who's attacking it. Um, <laughs> That's like also a running joke on the stream is that uh yeah I, I, I come out and attack her. <laughs> yeah. One of my cats likes to attack me when I'm on Zoom sometimes. That's so okay. <laughs> You'll see one of mine show up at some point, I'm sure. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely find that like as far as the humor that I like and that absurdist like stuff, um, is uh not necessarily the stuff I'm best at executing. Uh, mm -hmm. so sometimes that doesn't really like fit into the act, but uh, I do. Are you actually, kind... Tom? Sorry to interrupt you as yeah. always. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, Tom recently told me that Jim Carrey was a huge influence on his comedy. Oh yeah, and that surprised me <laughs> to no end. Like I can't imagine you talking out of your asshole <laughs> set or on a skit, you know, uh, like, and it's so interesting because it's, there are like similarities to it. Like your comedy, I think Tom is like physical at times, but mm -hmm. yeah, that really blew my mind. Yeah, that's actually uh, what I was going to say since you reminded me of that is that like, yeah, the Jim Carrey influence is more like an influence on my general performance style because little mm -hmm. known fact about me is that for like the last five years, I've also been working professionally with like, a theater company in northern virginia and it's a physical theater where like they're known for doing wordless shakespeare uh so that's oh definitely where some mime comes in is uh, all that's the jim carrey so cool. influence it's 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 a weird niche uh it's to be honest cool, um, but yeah it's like um how do you get kids paying attention and laughing when you're not talking um at all. <laughs> um but Nonetheless, getting back to you, um, so it's interesting that you kind of identify yourself, maybe like not necessarily the type of humor that you like, but you said sassy. And I also notice, um, just kind of like personally, because I follow you on social media, oh, uh, that you. you also have a sense of humor that translates really well to Twitter, which at least um, I have noticed tends to be indicative of a comedian who is very much like strong in the writing side of the spectrum well, when it comes to comedy well yeah i mean you have a certain number of characters you have to use and it's like how do i get those yeah. laughs with like what is it 250 characters yeah i um i have always like i've been writing for years even before i was doing comedy and my writing's always been short and concise that's just how i write uh, if you asked me to write a novel, I would be like, uh, no, um, but if I, <laughs> no, can't do that, but I can write, like, po I used to do poetry, a lot of poetry, and to me, like, 
coming up with things like being able to say what I wanted to say in a certain amount of words or a short line um, just came easy. So I think that's why I really took to Twitter and I really enjoyed doing tweets. And now sometimes tweets can translate over to stand-up jokes, but not always. Um, right, yeah. not, not all the time. Sometimes <laughs> they do not work. Um, but it's just, it's almost like a punchline. So it's really cool to kind of like put stuff out on Twitter and see if it takes off because yeah. I'll find like, okay, maybe that'll be a good punch for a joke or at least, okay, there's a good premise mm. that people find entertaining. Um, but it's like a lot of fun. It's like a puzzle trying to figure it out. Yeah, that was actually um, going to be kind of uh, related to my next question because, uh, again, a little known fact about me, if you're not familiar, I have a background in librarianship. I love data. Ooh. I love mixing <laughs> my data with my comedy. Um, so um, do you find that like um, that will be a big influence on the material that gets into your act is like it has to get a certain number of like likes or retweets or replies on Twitter or is it still just kind of like I like this joke and it's going in <laughs> it's yeah, a little bit it's funny um I usually won't post my stand-up material on Twitter so most of my like most of my set is never like anywhere on Twitter I only recently have I started if I have like an idea posting it up there and seeing like okay this is a concept people think is funny what can I do off of that but um yeah I try to keep them separate um just because I feel like the less you put out on because we all know how Twitter is. <laughs> so Twitter, yeah. Twitter, sometimes it's not that the, the tweet isn't funny, it's the algorithm. So I don't try to hold too much at stake with that. And sometimes I'll tweet something and I'll be like, well, I think it's funny. And I'll get like <laughs> seven likes. I'm like, well, I, and I'll tweet, tweet the dumbest thing. It'll be like a hundred and something. And I'm like, that's not even funny. But okay. <laughs> okay, people. <laughs> that's uh, that's good to hear. I didn't think that's the direction you were going to go with it. Uh, like I... Uh, do you ever find that, like, what's a good way to phrase this, but, like, are you ever worried that, like, um, you will, like, be giving away, like, part of your set maybe for free a bit also if you, like, put it out as a tweet? Is that ever a concern or is that not really? Yeah, well, kind of. And not, to, not that, like, for free, like, not monetary reasons why, but, like, um... You know, I feel like if I put it out on Twitter, I'm kind of taking it out of context. And I feel like even though I'm not like, my jokes are very like short and like quick, like that's how my jokes are. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not necessarily like, I'm not like really a storyteller. Um, I get really jealous of comedians that can tell stories. I'm working on that skill. Mm -hmm. Mine are very much just like punch, 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 which is great. It's just a different style. Um, but they, my jokes, even though they're short, do work together, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I feel like if I was to take one out of context, um, I think the majority of the time it would fall flat. Like, I think it mm -hmm. needs those other jokes surrounding it. So I wouldn't want people to get the wrong idea about the joke, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. You know? totally. I think context is definitely key too. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's good to hear that you keep that in mind um, because yeah. that's also like, um, away from where I would necessarily think uh, you'd be coming from just because, mm -hmm. again, 
UCB background, uh, me and Roz are from improv, and I find that that is definitely, like, a skill that lends itself uh, to the delivery side of yes. stand-up, to the writing side of stand-up, because mm -hmm. it's really easy to, like, <gasps> write, improvise a lot of uh, shit and then just keep the good stuff. Um, yeah. And then... <laughs> Throw the rest of the trash. Well, yeah, and that's kind of also, I believe it's a component of like UCB writing philosophy um, mm -hmm. as well as like Second City which is like we're gonna improvise a ton and then we're gonna we're gonna keep the good stuff and uh, kind of move on from there um, yeah. so it's kind of interesting that my... your process kind of jumps right to the succinct kind of uh, I guess more finished like one-liners yeah and it's funny that you bring up like with UCB um, I've only taken a couple classes and I actually have taken all my UCB classes because I live in New Jersey, like you said, um, online during the, during the pandemic. So oh, wow. I, yeah, so I'm excited to take more, but I remember my first sketch class, um, sketch writing for me at first was like, I was like, this is not like writing standup. This is <laughs> completely different. And I was like, okay. Uh, but I love it. I absolutely love it. You just have to kind of like switch your mindset. You're like, this is not like, I'm not doing this in front of this on a stage in front of people. I'm writing this for other people to perform on stage. And, um, she was so, my teacher, um, Carrie McGuire, she's amazing was like, um, no idea is bad. They're like babies. Don't, you don't kill the baby just cause you don't use the idea in the sketch. <laughs> like you keep it on the side. So I keep that in mind when I, when I'm doing stand up jokes too, like, I'm working on some new material now and I was working with one of my writing coaches and she's like, uh, I don't think this one is here. I'm like, all right, we're going to put that one to the side for now. <laughs> I'm not going to kill it. It's just going to go over here for it. Let it, let it soak. Let it marinate. Let it simmer. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe so. later I'll be ready to cook. Um, yes. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So uh, do you want to speak a little bit kind of uh, to the experience of like doing the stuff with UCB, but also kind of like, um, how at least for sketch comedy it seems mm -hmm. uh what that experience was like as far as if there are any additional challenges translating it to like the digital forum because that's one of the very popular yeah. topics on this show which oh, i'm yeah. sorry for our audience who's sick of hearing us <laughs> talk about it but also it's sketch which is like one that we haven't done yet but um yeah but it's true like, everything's yeah. so different now and like everything's digital like Everything in my life, I feel like, is on Zoom or Google Meet nowadays. But um, I, um, I think with sketch, it's different than improv. Like, I actually debated taking an improv class, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do improv for the first time ever on <laughs> Zoom. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like I don't want to do that. But I was like, I've, I, I'm always more of like, I've always been more of, I like the writing aspect more than like necessarily. The, the performing aspect, except with stand-up, I love both. But I, I've always been more of the, I wanna be behind the camera kind of person. Like I did like film editing and stuff in high school. I just always loved being behind the camera. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just sketch. Like that's, you know, that's what I'll do, I'll write. And um, I think because it's a writing-based course, it wasn't too bad to be virtual. And I actually think there was a lot of benefits because I was in class with people all over the country. So it was really cool to meet people I normally wouldn't meet and like I'm still connected we talk and stuff um but I mean obviously you have the same delays the tech glitches things like that that happen 
but it was really cool because our teacher would still have us meet in groups. So, I mean, we're normally people have all these different schedules going on and this one couldn't meet that time da, 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 because it's digital. Um, even if you have something going on, it's so easy to just like hop on your phone and FaceTime a couple of people and be able to work together that way. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't, you know, it's tough because I've never taken a course like this in person, but I didn't think that there were that many detriments to doing it online. And I hope that UCB keeps offering them even after the pandemic. I think it'd be awesome yeah. if they continue to offer some classes online. I think people will still start showing up. Yeah, I yeah, think. I think it kind of opens them up. I mean, one thing that we talk about on the show all the time also is access. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> not everyone can travel to New York City to um, or Chicago or mm -hmm. LA to take classes in person. Mm -hmm. So it'd be kind of interesting to see if like the pandemic kind of kickstarts that model for them. Yeah, because I know the classes I'm taking with UCB are out of LA. So mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. I would never be able to go to LA to take a sketch comedy class. Like, I mean, I would love to do that, but like, it's not really on the, on my journey right now. Now you can, you just have to like show up three hours earlier than you would have had to otherwise. I'll be like, <laughs> let me get my plane. I'll be right there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, actually, last week we were floating the idea of a comedy plane uh, with Brooke Marcel. So, oh my you know, God, we were we maybe harder that out <laughs> to LA. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. um, everybody gets on the comedy jet. Um, <laughs> your ticket's paid for in laughs. Um, no, it's not. It's paid for in money and gas. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I also think that, like, um, and again, something we may have touched on the show before. I actually don't know if we have, but I've also been seeing this trend with like businesses overall as they've kind of like started to reopen across the country that like they are uh, kind of navigating and negotiating this uh, need that they've seen that they've been able to address by like going to these digital forums as far as like we talked about with access, being able to talk to people from like different parts of the country not having to drive like from jersey into new york to take mm -hmm. a class or whatever um but like their challenge has kind of been how do we kind of uh, build ourselves back up to like what we were doing before with the in-person classes and still like offer these virtual things like this is yeah. a new service that we have rolled out how do mm -hmm. we like get back to normal life while we're like still offering that virtually because um, uh, I, I find don't... that people do not like it when uh whatever the reason you're like no we're gonna offer stuff online and then they're like oh things are open again goodbye uh yeah, like, like, don't like that. <laughs> well i don't think it should go anywhere you know even like comedy i know like i mean so i'm a rare case that i started doing comedy during the pandemic mm -hmm. okay so I kind of thank the pin. Well, I'm not gonna say that, but I, <laughs> I had access to things that, it gave me an, an opportunity to actually go out and do things that I normally would have been able to do, but it would have been trickier or I wouldn't have been able to do it just quite yet. Mm -hmm. um, so like even taking classes with the American Comedy Institute, um, that's based in New York City, not terribly far from me, about an hour and a half hour and change. 
but being a single mom and working a full-time job it's like then to be like hey mom and dad I know you watched my daughter while I'm at work but now I'm gonna get on a train and go to New York <laughs> like you know like <laughs> yeah uh, not too much so it gave me the opportunity to really take these classes and these courses I really wanted to and really dive in and even like doing zoom shows and open mics like I can bounce around and do almost four mm-hmm. or five shows a week uh not at so night much. for some people at night like when she's sleeping or you know <laughs> So, uh, during mommy's swearing time, <laughs> yeah, you know, during the nap time, I can write some jokes. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all right. So, kind of, um, digging more than into like your personal background, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about like maybe how your There's upbringing has uh, had an <laughs> impact on your comedy style? How so? A little bit about like where you're coming from as you're like jumping into the comedy scene yeah we'll just like wiggle our way into it (laughs) yeah for those listening on the podcast we are wiggling um we're wiggling our way into the comedy um so got to see emily's cat for a second yeah sorry that was tito Tito. if if you ever watch my shows he's always on camera he's like my number one heckler uh, my other friend doesn't bother me just this guy uh okay so how did I get into comedy yeah and voice and yeah I was distracted by my cat too but I think I got the gist of the question so yeah. like if, if there's anything about like your background or your upbringing that's like um like we've had a couple people where it's like I grew up in the south so I love talking about how uh I was in a cult um, yeah. or like stuff like that <laughs> yeah uh well I'm a jersey girl born and raised um I'm an only child um, it's me, my mom, my dad. Um, my dad is just big on roasting me my entire life. I grew up being roasted by my father, which is fine uh, because it gave me a really strong backbone to like deal with it. So we were always just very goofy. Like the three of us were very goofy, very funny, just like joking around all the time. And uh, my dad's from a big like Irish Scottish family. So it's a lot of personality and a lot of, again, like you either can handle it or you can't so I kind of grew up in that atmosphere um and I like I said I've always been a writer I've always loved comedy um I am actually I'm an English teacher that's what I do like during the day and um but I always wanted to go into comedy always wanted to go into comedy and I used to even start off the year joking with my students and saying well I wanted to be a stand-up comic and this is as close as I could get um which was kind of true and um (laughs) Basically what ended up happening about a year before the pandemic hit um, is I had my daughter and then I got divorced <laughs> and then I turned 30 and, I, and then the world shut down. And I was like, well, if I, don't do, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And it was like taking all this, all my life stories and like things that had happened to me and um to all my writing everything I've been working on and just like finding an outlet for it and yeah. it just kind of like all came together that's awesome yeah I what do find that like yeah uh, no you're good Roz I was just saying it's <laughs> like yeah I feel like um it, it is like a really good outlet for that um especially like after you've already processed it because unfortunately I've also witnessed the comedians who are like 
I haven't completely come to terms with this situation, and it's too soon for me to be joking about it, but also, uh, <laughs> I can't afford therapy. So here's an open mic. Um, <laughs> I actually, funny enough, started doing, started going to therapy and started doing stand-up the same month. Oh, that's so right? cool. Right? <laughs> that's good. You have, like, that outlet and then this outlet. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> very healthy. <laughs> they, they both benefit each other very nicely. Also, therapists, like, weirdly love finding out that one of their clients mm-hmm. is a comedian. Like, I don't know. Loves it. I don't know why. But, like, of the, of the three therapists I've been to, they're always like, Oh, you're a comedian, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, we get a lot of you guys. It's really interesting <laughs> to see the way you turn your pain into laughter. You know, I'm like, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Can we go back to talking about why I hate everything? Tell <laughs> me you know a who joke else loves finding out I was a comedian? Do you ever hear of Stitch Fix? Like those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I told my Stitch Fix stylist I was a comedian. <laughs> She's like, "Oh my god, tell me when you have shows." She's like, "Send me all these cool." I'm like, "I need clothes to wear for stand up in there on Zoom." So cool. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Stitch Fix, everybody. <laughs> Give them a try if you're a comedian. Um, no, that's so cool though. That's We're advertising tonight. Yeah. No, it's like uh, that's. Yeah, that is like a weird profession. Both of those, that's like, ooh, weirdly excited yes. <laughs> uh, that you're a comedian, uh, which is great uh, in case, uh, you know, you don't get that from, I don't know, your family. Um, but um, yeah, that is, uh, that's cool. Um, so again, we kind of talked about the sketch a little bit, but for stand up, other than like the sketch and the Twitter, do you like have a process that you hmm. think of when you're going like if somebody comes up to you is like we've seen your stuff we love we love your work we we got to get you to do like 10 minutes of clean stuff at this uh library church like when you're presented with that sort of situation or anything where you have to like write material maybe of like uh longer than you know, mm-hmm. that you would just, like, be able to throw at an open mic real quick beforehand. Is there any, like, kind of writing process you go through for vetting yeah. your own jokes, or do you just have kind of an innate voice for uh, what you think will be funny when you do it on the stage? Well, first of all, I'm very happy that it was a 65-year-old chain-smoking woman <laughs> who asked me if, if I had, because obviously I want to work for her. Um, yeah. yeah, there's totally, totally a process. Um, I'm actually, that's actually Tom's, uh, inner beast is a 65 year old chain. That's my conscience speaking. Um, she's not doing so hot, Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, yeah, I have a voice too. Mine's like a, like a Jewish, you know, Jewish American princess from New Jersey. That's what she sounds like. Uh, no. So yeah, process. Um, I, well, my writing process in the summer would be I'd go for a walk every day and I would bring my phone with me and I wouldn't listen to anything but anytime an idea popped in my head I would write it down so now I have like this long page of notes in my phone that I have not like I look through it but it's like scary to look through it because sometimes I'm like I don't know what this means it just says unfortunately (laughs) and I don't know unfortunately (laughs) what that means um but yeah so most of my material is clean like I can work clean very easily um because of my day job and you know because I try to make it as family friendly and I also know that working clean is very good um if you eventually want to work for network television 
or to like, so dreaming big here, but um, it also opens me for opportunities where it's say like the 65 year old chain smoking church woman (laughs) doing that, right? So I don't have to like really worry about changing my material. But usually like when I'm actually writing, things will go from my phone to a notebook to a computer. Like I still love physically writing things down. I'm like old school like that. Um, but I do type my sets up and everything. He's back on um, on the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I definitely find that too. Like I just love, and it helps with my memory too, because my memory is yes. also shite. Um, yes. But having like a little notebook, whether it says uh, district comedy or if it's nice. like a moleskin notebook. <laughs> Good plug. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because it's not actually a plug because I think we got rid of the merch store. So. Oh, no. You can no longer have them. District comedy exclusive. You had to get it while it was hot. Um, but don't Limited worry. edition. Come to uh, Fancy Mike instead. But yeah, it's like um, that negotiating behavior and it kind of bleeds into another question I wanted to ask, which is like, do you find that for the delivery side of it, um, do you do a lot of stuff with like personas? Is that something um, that you're kind of like a fan of in comedy or is that something that like, I don't know, maybe you like it, but again, like not for you. No, I love it. Um, So it's actually funny right before I came on your podcast, I actually had a, my, one of my comedy classes that I'll take this workshop. It's like a monthly workshop. I'll take it every once in a while just to like work on new material, blah, 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 blah. And so I've been working with him almost a year now. And we were talking, he said something about my persona that I'm building. And it's very funny because it's like, I didn't sit down one day and was like, what kind of persona do I want to be? Like, hmm, you know, it kind of like came to me and it just like, based on like my material and stuff, it's kind of what developed, what is starting to develop into a persona. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, it's basically like me, but I guess like a component of me, you know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, like you can tell when you go into that persona, but it's not so drastically different than who I am as a person. Right. It's like showing people a specific like facet or, um, and that's what I've found, too, is that people who have been really successful, they're part of what they do really well, whether it's conscious or not, that they're just, mm-hmm. like, authentic people. And because of that, it lends itself to kind of, again, even if it's unintentional, creating a brand yeah. for themselves. Um, yeah. Cool. I just feel like it's a more, like, ditzy version of myself. <laughs> like like I feel like that's how I come across like bubbly and like like I am a bubbly person but it's like taking that and like exaggerating it a little bit yeah and I think it's also like there are certain parts of yourself that aren't necessarily appropriate for what we're trying to accomplish uh, yeah. during our set uh, as comedians <laughs> um, one of the things I say on the too funny feedback mic a lot is like Sometimes I feel like the job of the comedian is like, for however long my set is, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes, it's like, while I am there, my job is we are going to be friends. Uh, More so than, and part of that is just because I need to, like, take the obligation of myself to be, like, explicitly funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, if I can at least be interesting and at least kind of, like, engage and connect with people 
that's yes. maybe more of a uh, for me a feasible goal uh, <laughs> than being like you don't like my library joke no um yeah. like you want to be audience. relatable you yeah. don't want yeah you, you don't want the audience to like turn on you like yeah well I don't know. yeah well some people don't care don't. but <laughs> <laughs> yes. some people don't care <laughs> some people are like man screw you it's fine who needs you you know <laughs> okay 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 um okay so um any um specific tips other than the kind of uh multiple writing mediums that you'd like to share <laughs> for your process like um in my process well i mean i think honestly you kind of mentioned it earlier i think it's just about being authentic and it, we i mean we've touched on this i think in multiple facets but like you can't try and be like, oh, these this comedian does jokes like this and they're really funny. Let me do that. Like, it's not going to work. You're not going to be funny. Like, that's not you. Yeah. Like, you have to. It's yeah. fine like, when you're first starting out. Like, I'm still like new. And it's like in the beginning, you're testing different things. But um, I do watch a lot of stand-up, but I, I wouldn't write while I was watching stand-up because I didn't want to just like mimic other people's styles. You know, like yeah. I wanted yeah. to find something that like worked for me and I'm still working on finding something that works for me. You know, you're constantly developing. Mm. Um, I had to teach myself early on and I'm sure like you guys can relate as comedians and writers. Like um, I had to not take criticism personally. And yeah. like, that was a big hurdle to get over. But like, once I got over it, I was like so happy I did. Because like, you kind of have to like, not have an ego in comedy and i yeah. think most people in comedy have egos but it's like you kind of have to not have an ego which i mean we all have egos but you kind of have to just like let it simmer because um if people are trying to genuinely help you then you have to be open to it you know and you know you know the right people to ask you know who you trust whose opinions you can like rely on and i would say just yeah. like trying to be authentic but also trying to be egoless and like open to people telling you like i think it's good but here's how it can be better yeah yeah i think that's also a big thing too is like hopefully the criticism coming at you is actually constructive yes um, <laughs> you have to be able to filter it out yeah, yeah. well like it's it, it's also a real challenge though because like comedy is like specifically a medium i feel mm -hmm. that it's like so much of it is like being okay with like being vulnerable and not necessarily yeah. like uh the best environment like you're being vulnerable you're kind of like exposing your sense of humor which mm -hmm. again we've talked about like how it can be really tied into your specific background and if people don't think that that's funny even if like they don't mean to be like insulting or anything it can it can hurt um yeah so having kind of a little bit of objectivity about it, I think it's helpful. And mm -hmm. also, um, I don't know if uh, it's influenced at all, but since you also said you had a poetry background, uh, I feel like this is a phrase that's more commonly used in that realm, but the whole like killing your darlings um, yes. sentiment is also mm -hmm. very true for comedy as well as poetry. I mm -hmm. love this line, but adios. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it's, that's kind of like going back to what my UCB teacher told me. It's like, you don't kill the baby. You just put the baby to the side <laughs> for now. And like, I was like, like, even like, um, I ran a joke tonight in my class that 
during one of my one-on-one sessions, we had camp. We were like, this is not there yet. And then all of a sudden this morning, I thought, oh, wait, I think I got the punch finally. I'm like, let me just try and work it. And it went great. So I'm like, oh, look, the baby's back. Like, I didn't kill it, you know? But like, if I had like said, I'm deleting it, it's gone. (laughs) Deleted it. So I think it is like, you just kind of learn you got to look at the creative process, you know, at, like I used to, how do I want to word this? Um, they really were like my little babies. And if like, I didn't want to hurt them, like if somebody said something about it, I was like, no, that's not nice. But now I'm like, tell me how to make this better. This doesn't work. You know, I want to raise my kid right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, like, ship along. Criticism is like a gift. Like, yeah. yeah, you have, but I mean, like you have to recognize that mm-hmm. it's constructive and listening to it's not gonna like ruin you but like yeah it's definitely if someone's taking the time to be like that joke was really funny but I think if you told it like this mm-hmm. it'd be better you know yeah I think it's like kind of the same way because we've talked to a few comedians who say like they record every single set they do mm-hmm. so like they they go to an open mic they turn the recorder on and they listen mm-hmm. to every single set yeah I and think I think that like, was Ralph Anthony who said that yes that I think it was Ralph <laughs> <laughs> that's and a Winston, lot of comics though. that's a lot like yeah yeah. yeah but yeah and it's like if you you have to be able to be constructive with yourself too mm-hmm. because like you know if I tell a joke that I think is hilarious and the audience doesn't laugh that means I need to adjust my performance I need to adjust yeah. my tone like that means that but I think a lot of people might have the tendency if they're sort of early on and not used to mm-hmm. accepting critique even from themselves they'll just be like this fucking audience is stupid you know <laughs> like they'll they'll just like yeah. write it off as the audience doesn't get me and like mm-hmm. as a yeah. performer that does not work very well if you're no. if your purpose is there to evoke laughter and, and you never blame the audience it's almost like the customer is always yeah. right it's like the audience is always not that they're always right but there's always <laughs> a you there's always like something you can get out of it yeah, like yeah, even if your yeah, humor yeah. isn't necessarily written geared towards them in mind, mm-hmm. like it can be good for evaluating. Okay, well, if they're still not laughing for like, just like it generally being like relatable in some way, maybe there's like something I can inspect about yeah. the humor. But also like it's- as somebody who gives feedback, it's like, that's also something I also try and remind the comics. It's like... I also feel like, uh, coming from a performing background, at least uh, for myself, um, there's also like a little bit of a different, um, not stigma, but maybe like a standard where it's like, like the no notes is good notes is something that's very like uh, pertinent, but also the idea that like, if I am giving you a lot of notes, um, that doesn't mean that you were bad either. Mm-hmm. That means that your comedy, like, got me really excited with, like, a yeah. lot of ideas for it and, like, kind of inspired me. So in a way, that's, like, a, a good indicator, too. Um, yeah. There was um, something similar um, feedback I've gotten is as I've been writing more and more and more, there were jokes that when I was doing them a couple months ago got huge laughs and stuff like that and then like as I was writing the material my other jokes weren't getting as they were getting laughs but not as big and my coach is like that's because your new writing is better it's actually a compliment it's like a backhanded compliment because like 
And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. He's like, it's, you know, it's hard to understand, but it's like, as your writing develops, you know, as your performing mm -hmm. develops, some of your older stuff isn't going to be as funny yeah. anymore, well, you know? And I also find, I don't know if you found this as well, but there's like a little bit of a trend that I have noticed in my writing where it's like, as soon as I personally become bored with a joke that I'm doing, that's when it's got to be cut from the set. I could say yeah. exactly the same word for word, same tone and everything. But mm -hmm. like, as soon as they see the, uh, my You're dad, like, oh, this trying to tell again. that joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta like spice it up. That's when you have to be like, all right, I gotta revise this. If I want to save it, I gotta try and do something. Yeah. Yeah. Which is generally good because then it like makes room for your new stuff anyway. But also, um, obviously, this is your interview, but I also rarely have the opportunity because uh, my fiance is also like in the performing arts. He has like subbed in for me to like host this show before. Aww. And uh, like, uh, we actually met through the theater company that I mentioned, Aww. and like, uh, we've done some comedies together. So I'm curious, just since I know that, like, you are uh, in a relationship with another <laughs> person of the comedy uh, variety, uh, yes. is, is there anything that uh, you have found to be a uh, benefit to that? Or maybe sometimes it can be hard when it's like all the artists in a relationship kind of thing. <laughs> or any all the divas in one room. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I think... I definitely think the pros outweigh the cons. I don't even know if there's really, I think the only con really is that we, like he lives in Queens, obviously, and I'm in Jersey. So we're like an hour and a half away from one another. But I think that actually works out really well because we're both so busy that it's kind of like, we don't see each other during the week anyway, so we can still be busy and it's not like we're blowing one another off. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> um like we'll do have to balance and juggle shows around like there's times where we both have shows and we're hanging out so like one of us will be like in the family room one of us will be like locked in a bathroom like we just we just went away we just we're both on um, an improv show called winging it and we both were happened to get booked for the same show and we were away <laughs> So I made him go in the bathroom to record. So I was in the hotel room. <laughs> you're gonna go in there. So there's no echo, sir. And um, <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. I'm also like, as a producer, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Um, yeah, because we've gotten booked on we've gotten booked on shows together before. Um, and like we've done something similar. Um, especially if we're in my apartment, like my apartment's bigger than his. So like, I'll send him, like mm -hmm. he can go in my room and I'll like be in the family room and it like works out. But, um, so those are the difficulties. Um, I, it's been great, honestly, like it's like without being cheesy, but it's like, we kind of both get each other because you're, we're both writers. We're both comedians. We're both got the drive. It's our passion. So if something comes up, you know, we get it. You know what I mean? Like there's been times where we'll have plans and he'll be like, I just got booked on a show and I'm like, take it. 
or like vice versa because we understand the hustle, yeah. you know? And I think yeah. that's really important. Um, we'll do writing sessions together. And like, we've been, oh. we've been dating for about like six months now. So like, he'll be like, what about this? And I'll be like, no, or like, I'll be like, I think this is funny. He goes, that's stupid. But like, it's like, cause we have, we also appreciate that we're different comics. Like I said before, he like, he's a storyteller. Like I could never tell a story like he does. Whereas I am more of like the quick, you know, when we're both trying to like help each other out with it. Um, and it's funny you brought up Twitter earlier because that's how we met. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Love so we met, yeah, we met on comedy Twitter and then we started, like we just so happened to be on a couple Zoom mics together. And like, Aww. it kind of just like went oh. from there. So, so cool. yay the pandemic and yay comedy or something. <laughs> yeah, yay pandemic. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I and I'm also gonna take a quick moment to completely call out and exploit my fiance. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things that I uh, love is that he uh, he has a very strong sense of humor, even though he doesn't do comedy necessarily. We're working on that. I really want him to do a set at some point. That's a separate <laughs> topic for another time. Uh, but also putting it out into the universe in a recorded format so I can, again, hands, put him hands, on the spot. Hands, hands. Yeah. But, like, uh, I love that I have somebody that's definitely, like, that safe space, mm-hmm. but also I know will give me honest feedback. Yes. yes. Um, how do you when find that will even with the even with the Travis Ross? Do you run bits by him? Travis doesn't see me perform that much actually, because our improv troupe yeah. kind of you know was winding Died down in December twenty nineteen. So yeah, <laughs> uh, when we started dating, I mean, he sees me do Mondo, which is like a movie night that I host, um, cool. and he'll give me some feedback on that. But that's like less stand up and more like. I'm giving attention to this thing now, and now we're gonna give this in for you know. It's like it's like it's character a character work a little bit, and like hosting, which is yeah. definitely a different skill. Yeah, and um, apologizing to the audience for the horrible, horrible <laughs> movies that we showed them. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I always appreciate it, like because Chris, um, Tom, and Chris have been together for a while, and. It was always nice when Chris came to a show because I knew it was somebody who's like familiar with our style, like knew our strengths, knew like <laughs> what, what we've done in the past and would actually like give real feedback. Like, yeah, you guys were cut off tonight. And like, we just, <laughs> yeah. like, he's not being a dick. He's just being honest, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> that also brings <laughs> up a good point. I was uh, very uh, fortunate, we'll say, um, that like out of all the people in the world because i've been doing improv also like specifically with Roz for like over a decade now so out of all the people i could have possibly chosen to be with i picked the guy who doesn't like improv and has a (laughs) silent laugh like when he thinks something (laughs) is funny he will be like and i'm like um is something wrong did you want to speak up sir uh but yeah um no that's that's great i'm glad we got to talk about that a little bit um but i uh i don't know if it's too soon to go into this question but we can always talk about other stuff but i always want to make sure that comedians before they leave um Mm -hmm. i at least get a chance to ask them um kind of 
what's up next? And that sounds like a really, like, end of the interview question, but it's not because I really want to hear, like, if there's stuff that you want to plug, um, Ooh, okay. happy to hear that. And if you want to, like, save it for the end of the episode, that's good, too. But I also like to remind people that we're interested, too, in, like, if there's an overarching big, goal, yeah. p- big picture, Ooh. especially because right now in the displaced comedian slash Zoom environment, um, there's people with so many backgrounds and a lot mm-hmm. of them, like, it kind of, like, baffle, baffles, I feel like, sometimes uh, other people in the community that there are people who just do this as a hobby, have a healthy, like, work-life balance and aren't always about the hustle um, kind of thing. I wear a lot of hats. So it's like mom hat, teacher hat, comedy hat. No, and every time my parents, and I love my parents, and I know they mean it well, my my dad will always be like, it's such a good hobby. I'm like, it's not a hobby. <laughs> it's not a hobby. It's a, li- it's a life. Um, so like, I mean, I've got great goals for this year. I've got a couple of projects. Uh, Ralph and I are actually working on a project together. I've got some individual projects, um, floating, ideas floating around um I you know keep working on like I would say right now I have like a I have a strong 10 minutes mm-hmm. I would like to have a strong 20 minutes by the end of the year yeah. you know like which I know for some people that may like they might be like um that's easy and might some people might be like oh my god that's so tough but like I know how I work so I would like for me what I would consider a strong 20 um by December of 2021 uh and resolution like, Woo! Yeah, like big goals. Like, I mean, I would love to. Um, I mean, I I would love to write for like SNL or some like a sketch show or like have my own sketch show. Um, yeah. I would love to perform. You know, be able to pay the bills doing what I love, which is writing and performing. Um, yeah. you know, like I think that's a lot of our dreams. You know, but um. You know, I'm very much a big like universe person. Like, and I think that like, not that I don't believe in working hard because I work my ass off all the time and I believe in the hustle. I'm like a big component on the hustle, but I also believe that the universe brings us um, the opportunities that are meant for us. So like, I like to keep an open mind as to like, yeah, I would love to write for SNL. Yes, I would love to perform worldwide comedy. Yes, I would love to, you know, like write, I've always wanted to write a screenplay for a movie. Like I would love to do all of these things and, um, but we'll just see what the world has in store for me. Yeah. And like where your niche kind of attracts you within the industry. Because also that's the thing too, is that like comedy is like a big oh. overarching like industry with so many like niches and sub industries within it. Um, yes, there, there's so many scopes of projects, you know, <laughs> like who's to say you don't like raise money for like a little indie film or something and get yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's your like movie. Or do you have a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, I just feel like there's so many opportunities I could like not even probably fathom that could come my way. You know, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Like, I never could have dreamt this in a million years. So I like to just keep an open mind. I was always like the girl with the plan. Um, And then like when my whole life blew up, um, (laughs) which it came out the other side so much more happy, like happier and, you know, fine. But it taught me to not always have a plan or be like, okay, with the plan not working out. So now I don't really, like I have goals, but like, 
I'm kind of open to see whatever comes my way. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you have any trauma you wanted to go into? Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Show? Sorry, well, that's, all, I have that's a joke, but also if you want to, why not? Uh, <laughs> just listen I to my like comedy. Sounds... <laughs> <laughs> I just like how it sounds like, even though you're an old age child, your dad seems to be to, like insisting on giving you the older brother experience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like the thing about like... <laughs> calling comedy like a hobby like I was actually on a zoom call with my boss and she knows I host a movie night but she doesn't really know I'm a comedian because I just don't tell people at work because I don't want them to come to my shit uh, Very fine. yeah relate yeah agree yeah and she was talking about like some like some college kid of her friends like her friend's kid who's in college or something she's like yeah you know He's doing a theater degree, but I think he's going into teaching, which is good because I don't think he should really go into something that doesn't require a lot of work, like being a comedian. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Twitch. Uh. Okay. No. My dad definitely is like, like, I'll give you one example. Like my, I thank my dad because if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have the sense of humor I have. But like, my dad's always just like, Good thing you're not your mom not wanted to name you Emily because I wanted to name you Snarky Bitch. I'm like, oh, oh. thanks so much. It's <laughs> lost. But like, and and like, I also get like the perspective where like, comedy is also like not necessarily what you would think of when thinking of like a stable field to go into. Yeah, like I get that too, but. Uh, also then we need to support the arts more oh my gosh <laughs> and pay yeah. our comedians and our performers and stuff like that that's also <laughs> like a piece of the puzzle too i also like have people who like will come up to me and be like oh my god what you do i i could never do what you do like that's mm -hmm. that's amazing that like takes real scale that takes real bravery and i was like then uh why did you sneak in and not pay attention yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um so uh okay good that's good to hear um and also like yeah i also appreciate like hearing your background too because uh again we'll make it clear that while i have like the improv background with Roz for stand-up specifically like i went to like three open mics irl like years before the pandemic even hit and then like it kind of made me because it's such a great platform for and it lends itself to, like, mm -hmm. so much independence uh, mm -hmm. kind of got into stand-up that way uh, somewhat recently myself. It was great to hear in right. your background that, like, oh, right. well, someone who's, like, funny and, like, successful and making it is also <laughs> kind of, like, coming from a little bit of a, a, a similar place. Yeah. 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 All right. I like being called successful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're on Laughing Into the Void, which is, like, the most successful... Yeah, um, we have 22 episodes now. I am so yeah. excited. And we interviewed a guy that was in the KFC movie. <laughs> I didn't know the KFC had a movie. We did. <laughs> we, that is... we made a fake Lifetime movie, and um, Martin Morrow, who is a very hilarious and talented comic, has a part in it, and he came oh on he came on this show. I felt so bad, because he has, like, you know, he worked with, like, Second City. He's got all these legit, like... I was like, why are you on our show? <laughs> He's really funny. <laughs> and I was just like, 
you were in the KFC movie with Mario Lopez. <laughs> and he was, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was... So... Uh... That was that was very funny. Um, but um, kind of on that note, though, and again, that's why I'm like, that's like the last official question, but I still just love like shooting the shit afterwards anyway. Um, so for like, now you've already gotten around the curb. Obviously, you have a Zoom background as far as like figuring out the technology, mm-hmm. kind of acclimating yourself to the online community. Um, are you thinking about uh, producing anything yourself at any point? Maybe like your own show or like a podcast like I joked about earlier or anything like that. Um, well, are you even a real comedian if, if you, you don't have a have podcast? A podcast? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely think that there is going to be, um, I definitely think producing a show is in my near future um, as far, like a, a stand-up show. Yeah. Um, and I definitely have thrown the idea around in my head um, about starting a podcast. Um, so yes, you might be seeing more of me or hearing more of me. Yay! That's well, a very good guess for that podcast. <laughs> yes, I will, you know, be in touch. We are desperate. Um, <laughs> uh, or at least I am. <laughs> Um, I want to be a guest too sometimes, you know? It's great hosting the show. Sometimes I want to be asked the questions. Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. I'm only if I can have really the 65-year-old chain smoker on. That's the yeah, only That's the only one who's going to be on as a guest. Um, Mike Wazowski. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, so yeah. Um, remind me though, uh, was there anything specific that you wanted to plug? Um, well, no, I'm terrible. Um, I mean, yay. I, uh, I always post uh, any upcoming shows on my Instagram. That's okay. probably the best place to find me at Emily Page Comedy. Um, nice and easy to remember. But and for those yeah, of all... the podcast, that's Page P-A-I-G. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot this is, you know. Yeah. Although, P-A-I-G. what a great name would that be for an English teacher? Right. Page. I know. Like yeah, a so. book or a librarian. I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, the, the Instagram, the main thing. Okay. Then I'm going to uh, just remember that as we go into our little outro. Um, but, where's my little script? God, too many tabs, too many tabs. Um, but that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you, Emily, for being such a great guest. That was a really fun conversation uh, we got into. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Emily Page, P-A-I-G-E, comedy. Um, thank you, Roz, for being a great co-host, as always. And a big thank you you to uh you our audience uh both of you uh for watching the program uh if you enjoyed the stream please consider making a donation or following us on social media and don't forget about our fancy mic this friday be sure to check that out the links to all that stuff can be found in the episode description and tune in next week um as uh we i'm really excited uh but we're going to be interviewing uh Panda Mike founder and comedian Rachel Rothenberg. Woo, 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 woo. Ooh, so woo. be sure to check that out. That's going to be a good time. But again, that's all the time we have for tonight. And see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.